This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a show where we discuss how to navigate the highs and lows of the human condition. Each week, we address a new topic, and we see that there are two choices we can make. We can lower the bar, go with the flow, and react to what the world throws at us, or we can be proactive, deciding in advance how we want to live, and in essence, rise above the human condition. We hope the discussion today is just what you need for the week ahead. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. Great to have you with us. We are currently in a series called Transcendent Parenting. So for those of you who are just jumping in, we are on week three. Uh, Week one, we talked about marriage, which was actually a slight bait and switch, but we wanted to get things off on a good foot and uh, have the whole conversation about a strong marriage leading to even better parenting. Uh, Then last week, we talked about parenting as not being optional. So it's this whole understanding that when you finally decide that you want to have kids, you really have to be all in. And we also discussed how parenting is a very high calling. So today we're going to jump into stages of development. And for our minute of marriage or minute of parenting transparency, rather, um, we're going to talk through kind of what our favorite stages are. So again, welcome back to the show, Tammy. Great to have you with us. I'm here. Thanks. Awesome. All right. So favorite stage. Um, When you think back, think back before we even had kids, like was there a certain stage that you just knew that you were going to love? Yeah, I think when I think back to before we had kids, I thought I would love the stage that I was going to love the most would be like the baby and toddler and like younger stages like those maybe early elementary. I kind of remember having the discussion with you of like, I've got them from like birth to like elementary age and then you have them after that. So that's kind of where I was at. Like I'm going to like them when they're little and they're cute and they're learning all the fun things. Okay. (laughs) So then once we had kids, is that the the way that it worked out or did things change? That's interesting. I love, so it's crazy because I think I would say, and you know, you hear parents say this all the time, right? Like, oh, I love every stage. Some parents say that. Some parents will be like, nope, I can't stand the teenagers. But I think my heart has just like grown as, as our kids have moved through each stage, you realize how important each stage is. And when you get to the middle school and high school stages, like you just realize the impact and you realize all the stuff that those kids are dealing with and what they're trying to figure out. And my heart just like really goes out to, to those, that age of kids. Like, so I actually, like, I really like the young ones and I'm drawn to them. I think they're easier. That's my own personal opinion. Um, but my heart right now is like, I don't, I don't know. I, my heart breaks for the older kids because I think sometimes they get left behind because they're hard and they don't make sense. And people have just kind of given up by that point on them. It's like, I don't have time. I'm tired. And we're just going to kind of let you do your thing. But they so badly still need us to be parents at that age. So I don't know. Like, it's been one of those weird kind of things for me that I think I've kind of learned to love every age and what comes with that. So yeah, what about yeah. you? I can totally see what you're saying about it being harder the older they get. And so it, it's just easier to kind of pull away from that and shy away from it because it's like it's work. It's mm-hmm. difficult. 
Um, I think when I, like when I think back to pre-kids and we had those conversations about, you know, like, oh, once they get to middle school and high school, you can take over. And it's just funny because I just assumed that then that's probably what I would do. Uh, I was working with kids in the mental health field at that age. And so it just kind of made sense that that would be the stage I would kind of like the most or, or work with them the most in. Um, but I think after having kids, I actually look at the, you know, the very first few stages as, as the ones that I really enjoy the most. So when, you know, when that newborn comes home and you just sit and hold them and watch TV or, you know, um, just have them just like lay there and sleep on you and stuff like that. I think that's really has become my favorite stage. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It is, it's easier in terms of they're not talking back and stuff like that, but it's, yeah, it's still a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's just more physical work. It's more physical. Yeah. Just taking care of their needs versus yeah. The more emotional or intellectual side of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's work no matter what, right? Like it's like, no matter what stage. So like the whole thing that they're like, oh, as they get older, it's less work. No, no, that's no, don't, (laughs) don't ever go for that. That's not the truth at all. You actually get just about the same amount of sleep when they're teenagers as you do when they're babies, because (laughs) you're waiting for them to get home at night. And then they get home at 11 o'clock at night and they want to talk to you because now they're ready to have a full conversation. Because they're awake now. Because they're awake, right. And they've had a full day and that's when they're ready to talk is at, you know, your bedtime. So then you end up not going to bed until 1 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, so it's not getting up in the middle of the night, but it's not going to bed on time either. So, right. Yeah. Very true. All right. So like we said, the topic for today is parenting through the stages and we're going to hit three things uh, in this episode first you're never their age in this age number two life is all about stages and then we'll wrap it up with the more you know so number one uh you are never their age in this age what what does that even mean yeah so like i want you to hear that again because i think it's so easy for us to forget that we, you and me, you who are listening to this, that you were never their age in this age right now. Like, just think back about how much has changed. I mean, it's unbelievable to me to think back to when I was a junior higher or I was a high schooler, like, what my life was like. I mean, it's, you can't almost, sometimes you can't remember it, but you can, when you really think, and it's just absolutely so different. The environment that we grew up in is completely different. And I mean, for me, the number one thing is technology. Like we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the internet and social media at the tip. We didn't have social media at all. We didn't have the internet at the tip of our fingers. I mean, I was learning how to use a typewriter in high school. Like, so it wasn't until I got to college that like computers were kind of a thing and you didn't have phones. So our kids today have that stuff in their hands at the tip of their fingers all the time. They have social media and all that comes along with social media that we didn't have. We didn't have to worry about. We didn't know what our friends were doing on the weekend if we didn't get invited to something because there was no place for them to post it and talk about it. It maybe got talked about at school, but if you weren't in their crowd, you probably never even heard about it, right? Like, So that's like the big thing is uh, different forms of technology. We also like we had different struggles than they have. I mean, 
because of technology, mental health is a completely different thing now. I mean, not that our people our age didn't struggle with mental health, um, you know, in school, but I think it's at a completely different level now. Again, I think going back a lot to technology and social media and don't even talk about the pandemic that we've been in. But um, so there's just there's different struggles. Um, There's possibly different cultures like our kids are growing up in a little bit of a different culture than what you and I grew up in, kind of like Mm -hmm. because we moved. So I grew up in a culture that everybody looked like me. Everybody was the same as me. Um, There was very little diversity and our kids had some of that, but now they're growing up in um, a location where they are actually in the minority. And so it's different, right? It's, um, it's not the same, um, different parenting styles. Like you, we may different, we may parent different than our parents parented us. And that's gonna happen as time goes on and technology changes and life changes and life evolves. Like there's things our parents didn't have to even think about because there wasn't technology. There wasn't phones again. There wasn't social media. They didn't have to manage any of that for us. Like, yeah, we joke about our, our form of social media and our form of texting was passing notes, yeah. which is like such a different thing. Yeah. I mean, I would get in trouble. My parents would get so frustrated with me because I would get on the phone with friends at night, a phone connected to a wall, right? <laughs> and you get on it and you would like pull the phone as far away, like as you could into a room that you could shut the door. And I would be on the phone for hours and they would get mad because it, the beginning, we didn't have call waiting. And so if somebody else was trying to call in, you'd get the busy sound. Like, anybody remember that? The busy signal? Like, um, and so they'd get mad because, like, you've been on the phone forever. Get off the phone. Why are you on the phone all the time? Like, and they'd make me get off the phone. And then when we got call waiting, it kind of changed a little. But they'd still get frustrated because they just couldn't understand why I was on the phone all the time, right? But now our kids, I mean, they don't talk on the phone ever, really. No. But they're on their phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like, so... Mm-hmm. Um, different expectations at school. Like, I mean, come on. I don't, (laughs) I don't know about you, but when I look at what our kids are expected to know, like, I mean, the fact that they're reading coming out of kindergarten, like, I think I was taking naps in kindergarten. So they're, what they're, the classes that they're taking, the AP classes, the honors classes, like all of the stuff that's just kind of expectation right now, that was not that way when we were growing up. It just, it wasn't that way. So like it, truth be told, growing up today is nothing like growing up back when we got to do it. Um, And it wasn't like for our parents, like when we grew up, it wasn't like it for them either. Right. So like it changes all the time, but I don't know. And maybe because we're in the stage that we're in or because things have changed so much, I feel like this has been a really big jump. Like us parenting this group of kids, like there's nobody for us to look back on and ask like, so what do you do? I mean, there are people, right, who are a little bit further ahead, but we can't go back to our parents and be like, how did you handle this? Or what was, because it's just, things are so different now. Um, So, so yeah, so just don't, like, just don't ever think that like, it's the same, that just remember that you were never their age in this age. Like if you can just keep that at the top of your head and all in every conversation and everything you say to them, like, remember that you guys, it's going to change. It's going to change how they look at you. It's going to change how you look at them. Like it's, it's just going to change things. So, so if you truly believe this, like if you buy into what we're saying, and I hope you do, then here's some things that we can do as parents to embrace this actually like with our kids. So babe, what are those things? What would you say those things are? Yeah. So I think we kind of came up with maybe four things here that we can do. 
uh, if we kind of change our perspective on this stuff. So I'll take a couple and then you can take a couple. Perfect. So number one, we need to change our perspective. So just understanding that you can't say things like, I know exactly how you feel. Or when this happened to me, I did the following. Or you should just do X, Y, and Z because that worked for me. Or you should just, or well, at least you don't, or at least you didn't have to deal with, you know, X, Y, or Z. And so those are just kind of things that pop into your mind as you're interacting with your kids. And the the reason they pop into your head is because you're trying to take what they're experiencing and you're trying to go back and put it into your context when you were their age. And like we said, that's not possible because it's a whole different thing that they're going through. So changing your perspective can help you not to kind of come at conversations uh, that way. Then number two, uh, we need to practice empathy. So some of the above statements kind of border on what we would call sympathy. And sympathy looks a lot like feeling bad for a person or, you know, not really having any, any emotional connection, just saying, oh, that really stinks, you know, um, trying to fix the problem without really having good solid answers, you know, or, or having trite answers that really don't help matters at all. In essence, these things are minimizing um, what they're going through, um, basically suggesting that things could be worse. But empathy, on the other hand, looks a lot like this. So it's listening listening to understand, not having all the answers and being willing to admit that you don't have all the answers. And then realizing that we've never been through this thing exactly the way that they're experiencing it. At the same time, um, you know, finding similar situations in our past and remembering how we felt and then connecting those feelings, right? Connecting that feeling that you had to the feeling that they're expressing so that you can simply be there for them. It's not the exact same situation, but yet you can feel what they're feeling on some level. And then just choosing to be there for them, even if there are no words to speak, right? Even if you can't really put into words something that would be helpful, just choosing to be there for them. Now, at the end of this section, we need to kind of make something very clear. And this is something that um, we've talked a bit about recently. And it's this concept, because you're you've never been in the situation that they're in, it's really important never to put your kids down. Um, And not just putting your kids down, but putting their friends down, putting their generation down. Uh, Things that they find important, their music, the way they dress, their hairstyles, things like that. Um, It may not be your choice, and it may not have been your choice when you were their age, but that really doesn't matter. And it definitely doesn't matter to them. So very important to kind of keep that in mind uh, as well when you're interacting with your kids. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two things I think I want to say kind of about some of the things um, that you said. So the the last thing that you said, you know, about never putting your kids down or their friends down, I, I can't, it just drives me nuts. I see people, I see parents on social media who they, they have nothing but negative things to say about this generation of kids. And it literally makes me want to reach my hand through my phone. And like, I just, I can't, I'm like, you're not helping. Like, yeah, you don't agree. I may not always agree either, but it doesn't matter. And you know what? This generation has so many positive things. They're Mm going to, they're going to change things. They're going to make things different. And this world needs that. 
So like, just stop. It's not helpful. And it makes your kids feel like you're, that you're criticizing them. When you criticize their generation, understand you're criticizing them. Like if somebody criticizes my generation, if somebody says, oh, all, all people born in the 1970s are X, Y, and Z. Yes. I'm aging myself, but like it's, it, I take, you take it personally, right? Because you're like, well, but you're talking about me. That's what you're doing with your kids. Like, so yeah, that's one of my things. And the the other thing is like, don't say that really. I mean, for me, like, I don't ever want anybody to say to me, like, I know exactly how you feel. No, actually you don't. It, even if you've been through almost the same situation, you have, you don't know exactly how I feel because you're different from me. And it's the same with your kids, even though you birthed them, or maybe you didn't birth them, but you've raised them since birth. Like you don't know how exactly how they feel. So those are two such great things, hon. Like, uh, so just things that like, just, I was like, ah, those are like big, big hot topics for me. So, um, number three, we need to ask the right questions. And I will tell you this, kids want you to ask questions. They will not ever tell you that they will actually tell you the opposite. They will be like, I can't, why do you ask so many questions? Like how many times does Tyler come home and be like, Oh, why do you have to ask so many questions? And I yeah. have, I have learned, right. There's like a, there's a time and a place so I have had to learn with him. Like, I don't, I can't barrage when he walks in the door. That's not good for him. He doesn't want to talk to me when he's been at school all day and gone straight to a four hour football practice and come home and he's tired and he's hot and he's had a long day. Like he doesn't want 10,000 questions. So not the right time. But if I give him some time and I wait until dinner or I wait until after dinner, he's normally good. And he, he does want, I mean, me asking questions is me telling him, I want to know about you. I want to hear how your day went. Like I, I believe in you and I, I want to get closer to you. Right. Mm-hmm. If I didn't ask, if we never asked questions and we just sat there, like he'd be like, well, they must not care. They must not care about me because people who care about you ask questions. Right. Like, yeah, it's funny. It's almost become kind of a joke, like <laughs> that dinner means questions. Right. And so it's almost like they come into it expecting it and have, they have that negative attitude toward it. But then all of a sudden, after they've answered a few questions, like they'll just start talking. Yeah. And it's like, well, I thought you didn't want to talk, but this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. But I mean, the thing about questions is they, I mean, they can kind of be a double-edged sword, right? So there's like good questions. And then there's questions that like, they're not necessarily, I wouldn't call them bad, but they're just like, you need to just think about the type of questions that you're asking. So there's kind of, we all know there's two types of questions. You have open-ended questions and you have closed-ended questions. So you know, open-ended questions are the questions, right? That like it's, it requires more than a yes or a no. And the closed-ended questions, like that's what you're going to get. How was your day? Fine. Um, you know, that's a closed-ended question, right? So like, which ones do you think are best? I mean, which ones do you want to be asked? You know, I mean, sometimes we all just want to be asked the closed-ended questions because we don't really want to talk about it. But really, if somebody's trying to get to know you, if you're trying to get to know somebody, you're going to ask open-ended questions. You're going to ask, you know, a question that's going to lead to even more information being given. So the yes or no, the closed end questions, like conversations done as soon as I answer, like, how was your day? Fine. Okay. Now what? Like, you know, like, where does it go next? So, so just, we want to keep that conversation going. We want to come into it with like some more open-ended questions that you can ask them that are going to then lead you to the next question. Like, right. And that's one of the things that I kind of always talk about as parenting is like, you're not going to get, you're not going to get 
like what you really want out of them most of the time from the first question. Like it's a question that leads to a question that leads to a question. I, I kind of call it going in the back door. Like you're kind of, you're kind of walking in the back door, you know, um, because if you kind of start with the first one right off the bat, a lot of times they're just going to be like, I, I'm just going to open, I'm going to answer it with a yes or no if I can, or a very trite, like simple answer. But if you kind of get one that leads to another, leads to another, it can kind of get you in. So we want to keep the conversation going and we want to keep talking to them. And then, you know, there's judgmental questions and they're not, not, there's non-judgmental questions. So judgmental questions sound like, well, why did you do that? Or what, what were you thinking? Like, how could you let that happen? How could you ever do something like that? Like, like listen to that. I mean, how does that make you feel? How do you feel when somebody asks you those questions? Like that, for me, that's an immediate, like, well, you're like, you think bad of me, like you're judging me. And yeah, I don't you get, you get defensive yeah. right away the minute you hear questions like that. Yeah. You, yeah. You start to defend and you start to back away and you start to be like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm, I'm out. I'm not answering. Or you start to go at the other person. Right. Like, I mean, it happens in marriage. Like, let's be honest. So, um, but if you think about like non-judgmental questions, so like, how were you doing? How did that make you feel? Like when that happened, like, how did you feel about that? Um, what can I do for you? What do you need from me right now? Like, do you want to talk about it? Um, or do you not right now? Maybe right now is not the time to talk about it. Maybe I literally just need to sit here with you. You talked earlier, Hannah, about just being there for them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just being there for them is literally sitting in silence. Like, rubbing their back or putting your arm around them or letting them just sit and cry on your shoulder or watching a TV show together and really not saying anything, but like sitting next to them. Right. So, um, you know, so sometimes that's what it's going to take, but it's, you, you need to go in with like, let's not judge because you don't want to push them away. You you want them to know that you're there and you want to be a part and you want to understand and you want to help them walk to what's next for them. That's, I mean, that's how we should always be. And, and obviously that's sometimes a whole lot easier said than done. Like depending on the day that we've had, like what we're coming into that conversation with, for me, sometimes it's uh, how I feel about it. If it's something that's made me scared or something that I'm fearful of or something I think I might get judged for because of something my kids do, like sometimes I come into it with this like I'm already hyped about it or I'm already th- judgmental about it and I can like I can feel it. And so sometimes I have to like tell myself like, yo, you got to back off and like, this isn't about you. <laughs> this has nothing to do with you, actually. Like, right. you know. So, and I think that kind of goes into, like, that we have to remember that our actions then also speak louder than words, right? So, like, how you feel, your actions. So, like, last week we introduced the idea that we're always on, that the kids are always watching. I mean, it starts from when they're tiny, that they're constantly watching what we do and how we do it. They're watching how our mouth our mouth forms words. Like, So it starts from they smile because we smile when they're babies. That's how they learn to do that, right? They coo because we coo at them. And it just continues. It doesn't stop. Like, uh, it does. If you think it ends when they learn to talk and learn to walk, like, it it doesn't end. So um, our kids are. They're constantly watching us. They're constantly listening to us and taking in, you know, what we say, how we treat people, how we talk to our spouses, how we talk to our friends, how we talk to our parents, how we talk to the person on the phone that we're really ticked off at because our cable bill went up $60 and we didn't know that that was going to happen. Like they're, they're listening. Um, for us, we have a kid that is a, uh, that is, has been a listener since she's been little and she listens to everything. So our, our oldest Allie 
is one of those kids that you would think she's not really, she, she's doing her own thing. She's not really listening to what's going on, but we'll be on a car trip and she's done this since like we can remember. So we'll be going somewhere. And, you know, now, again, we talked about technology, right? They all have phones. They have earphones in. They're watching something on their phone. You think they're watching, doing social media. They're watching a movie or a TV show on their phone. And so Daryl and I will start in a conversation because everybody seems to be like doing their own thing. Yeah. Yep. They're not talking to us, (laughs) you know? So we'll start having a conversation about something and all of a sudden you'll, Allie will pop in with a question or she'll like later on, she'll say something to us that we know she was listening to our entire conversation. And what we've learned about from her is she will either have one headphone in and like one earphone in and one earphone out, but you don't really know it because her hair is long or it's in a way that you can't really see that. Or she'll have the volume turned down just low enough that she can hear her show, but she can also hear us. Um, and so she, I mean, she was, when we would have friends over and the kids would all be in another room playing, like she would be listening. So (laughs) we would literally have to send her like, you need to go downstairs. You need to go upstairs if we wanted to have a conversation because her little ears were all, and she still, she still does that with us. Like she'll, she still is constantly tuned in to what we're talking about. So she's 20 FYI. So it, it doesn't go, it doesn't go away. Um, So modeling good behavior um, is vitally important. Um, And I'll tell you right now, you guys, it's not what we say that they remember. It's um, what we did or what we do or what we didn't do, right? Like you've probably, some of you have heard that saying, like you don't, you remember how people made you feel. Like that's what you, you're not going to necessarily remember what people said to you, but you're going to remember how they make you feel. And it's the same thing for our kids. Like they're remembering what we did or what we didn't do. So did we cuss that person out because they made us mad or did we just walk away? Did we have a kind word to say to somebody, maybe if they weren't kind to us, you know, like that's the stuff that they're watching. So, um, and how many of you remember that fun little phrase, do as I say, not as I do. Um, I remember like as a kid, I think my parents would use that on me here and there. And it drove me insane. I was like, that, that that's ridiculous. Like, and so don't use it. Just like, don't, it's, it's one of those things. If you've done it, it's okay. We all make mistakes, like move on and don't do it again. But we try really hard to like, just not say that. Like, it's not like, no, it's not do as I say, not as I do. Like it, you need to model for them. Like what good behavior looks like always. Like you need to continue it again. It doesn't end when they hit junior high or high school. Actually, I think it becomes even more important when they hit those ages. So mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately that's just how many parents are because I think that's how we grew up and it's just, it's like, that's how we were parented. So that's what we go into parenting. Like, well, that's just what we're going to do. That's how we're going to handle it. But it, it's just, it's not what's best. It's not what's best for your kids. It's not what your kids want. It's not like they really want you to just be there and to listen and to guide and to direct and to just understand like, and to model for them what the humans that you want them to be, the adults that you want them to be. So, um, yeah, like, I don't know, crazy, like not always easy stuff. You guys, we're not saying any of this stuff is easy. Um, but it's important. It's, it's stuff that makes a difference. So. Yeah, that's good. One thing I wanted to go back up really quick to the, ask the right questions, uh, piece. So, uh, I just, I remember when you talked about like the whole, open-ended versus closed-ended. And I know that one of the things that I've seen you do on like at dinner time or something like that is, is the whole highs and lows thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe explain that as a, as a way of 
kind of getting them to open up versus just a yes or no question? Yeah. So, I mean, we've done a couple of different things at dinner. Um, sometimes I will do like, what's your high and what's your low of the day? And a lot of times I'll be like, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Or I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any highs in it. And I just keep pushing. I'm like, yeah, you do. You do. Like we all, I'm fine. Something. I don't care if it's like, uh, I had pizza today for lunch and I liked it. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Like you had pizza fridge today for lunch and you liked it. But like we had, we have to model that. Like we have to do it too. I don't, it's not just questions for them. It's questions for both of us, right? Too. Like, and we would sometimes do during the pandemic, like we would talk about like what we were thankful for because it was so easy to find all the things that we were all like irritated and annoyed mm-hmm. by, right? But it was like, Tell me two things you're thankful for today. Um, and again, they don't have to be gigantic, huge things. It can be small, little, tiny things. So. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, you get them talking and then, you know, after a while, it's question number three, question number four, mm-hmm. and then you're having a conversation. So. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. All right, number two, life is all about stages. So, you know, when we have kids, we aren't getting a product. We're not bringing a product home. This is a live human being. Um, you know, it's not like you're buying a new iPhone, which is basically the same the day you bought it as the day you trade it in with the exception of a few software updates, of course, but no kids are a totally different story, right? They grow, they mature, and they, they're basically journeying through a set of developmental stages. And each of, each of those stages requires a different set of skills from us as parents, because they're asking different questions. They're, they're working through different Uh, different stages in their life. So so what we're going to do is we're going to walk through these stages um, and then we'll look at really pull out multiple things in each stage, but two very important things at the top. We'll talk about what your child is going through at that stage. um, And then second, what your child needs from you in that stage. So and a lot of this information comes from a uh, website called Just a Phase Project. So justaphase.com, and I'll put that link in the show notes if you want uh, to look at that later. Um, But stage number one is the toddler stage. So what your child is going through at the toddler stage is, we'll just call it the keep them alive stage, (laughs) right? So at this stage, the question they are asking is, am I safe? And as parents, right, there's very specific things that we do in order to keep our toddlers safe our infants and our toddlers, basically. So it's the basics like feeding them, changing them, holding them, uh, helping them to go to sleep, to show up on a regular basis, to, um, you know, be there when they, when they're looking for you, you're there. It's, it's the whole object permanence thing where they, um, you know, they, they need to see you on a regular basis and know that you're there for them. Um, so not leaving for long periods of time and, and just leaving them to fend for themselves, if you will. And so, you know, a pretty basic stage, um, but those are the things that the toddlers are looking for. And um, so at at these stages, um, you know, there's kind of, there's a story that we laugh about with our (laughs) youngest, Tyler. And one of the things we noticed when he was going through this stage was he just had this irrational fear of of masks. and people in masks. People in masks. And it could be anything from like, you know, Halloween to birthday parties to dress up parties, whatever. Um, and one specific um, example was we went to Chuck E. Cheese for a birthday party, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're just sitting there playing the games, eating the pizza and all that stuff. And then, you know, Chuck E. Cheese comes out in the giant 
you know, uniform and plays his little, his little band or whatever they do on the stage. Um, and the look on his face was just pure terror. He just, he couldn't figure out how to get away from this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's one of those, just an example of, of, uh, uh, fear that he had. And, you know, at that stage, our job is to basically show that they're safe, right. To show him you're safe. This is okay. We're here with you. You know, you're not going to die. So that was just a funny kind of story about <laughs> that stage. Uh, number two is the elementary age stage. And so this is the encourage their interests stage. So at this stage, the, the question that your child is asking you is what am I good at? Um, and as parents, you know, there, there are many ways that we can help navigate in this stage um, we can get them involved in a variety of things. We can, you know, let them kind of filter and sort things as they, as they interact and they do these different things. We can, you know, kind of let them experiment and then figure out what, it, what they're really connecting to. Um, basically just providing opportunities and letting them test the waters in each of those opportunities. Um, and really find a balance between self-determination and forcing them to finish. So this is an interesting concept. You know, let's say you sign your kid up for something like a summer tennis thing or something, you know, and they get halfway through and they just don't seem to be liking it. Um, it's that whole thing. Do you, do you let them just quit or do you force them to finish? Um, and that's, I think that's a interesting conversation we had to have like you and me, mm -hmm. first of all, um, you know, what was our stance going to be, but then also, you know, one of the things we had to teach our kids at that stage, um, you know, just telling them that we supported them and that we were, you know, we were great with them telling us how they were feeling about the, the event or whatever. Um, but really pushing them to kind of like honor their commitments. So if, you know, if they signed up for it and they wanted to do it, then we need to finish it. Um, but then also being supporting and, you know, encouraging them without guilting them into sticking with something. So, you know, one example, I guess, is, is our middle daughter, Rachel. Um, so we had her in all sorts of different things. We had her in cheerleading and soccer and uh, theater, drama, all those, all those kinds of things. And um, eventually it became obvious to us that soccer probably wasn't going to be her thing. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but like we would go watch her play soccer and the ball would be going one direction and the majority of the players would be running that direction. And there was a good chance Rachel would be running the opposite direction, watching a butterfly or something. Mm -hmm. um, I still remember watching her play. She had to play goalie goalkeeper one time and like, we're just watching her and she's not really even watching the ball. She's just seeing if she can jump up and touch the crossbar <laughs> yep. over and over and over again. Um, we've got some great pictures uh -huh. of that. But but again, it's it's letting your kids try multiple things so that they can they can test their hand at it, right? And mm -hmm. see if it's something they like, if it's something they don't like. And eventually it'll work itself out and they'll pick and latch on to, you know, one or two of those things and really love it. So so that's the elementary. 
Um, the, one of the things I would say that, so we're going to talk about middle school next, but one of the things that I would say to add kind of to elementary that like needs to be talked about before they go to middle school is here you go, guys, I'm going to say it. You need to talk, um, about sex with your kids. So, um, I think for us, it was, I think we did it before fifth grade, before sixth grade. It was either before fifth or before sixth grade. And I know some of you are like, are you kidding me? Like that's way too young, but n- uh, n- nope, it's not. If you think kids aren't talking about it by that age, you're, you're wrong. Um, they are. If your kids, if you live in an area where kids ride the bus, I promise it's being talked about on the bus. If the kids don't ride the bus, they walk to school, they ride their bikes to school. There's recess. There's times where they're just sitting together and there's not adults run. They're talking about those things because you guys, kids are seeing that stuff. Again, social media, uh, a media, a hello. I mean, even before social media, but kids are talking about it. So you, like for us, that was so important because Mm -hmm. we wanted to be the people who told them the truth. We needed them to hear it from us before they heard it from anybody else. We needed them to know what reality was and what reality wasn't. Um, And so we did, we had the talk. We, both of us, we both sat down, we both did it. Um, Was it uncomfortable at times? Sure. But actually for me, it really wasn't that uncomfortable. Um, I actually kind of look forward to like explaining to them. And for us, like nothing was off topic. Like we, I mean, we just laid it out again. I I mean, they're only, you know, elementary age kids at that point. So you're Mm -hmm. not going to explain it all. But, and the other thing I would say about, say about that is it's not just one conversation that starts an ongoing conversation where you start there, you tell them, the basics, how it all works, what it means. You talk to them, yes, about things that your parents may have never talked to you about. But again, do you want them to hear it from you and have truth? Or do you want them to hear it from a friend and not understand any of it and think they think things? I mean, there were things when we talked to them that we would ask the kids like, well, do you know what this means? And they would be like, yeah, I know what that means. Well, what does it mean? And they would really either one have no clue or they'd be way off base with what it meant because that's what they had heard from somebody. Mm -hmm. So, um, you have like you got to do it. You got to have the conversation. It's important. Yeah, the whole ongoing conversation thing's important because I think kids, like kids, just get it in their head somehow that sex is this weird thing that yep. they're never going to talk to their parents about. Yeah. And so, if you can kind of break through that with that first conversation and show them, no, there's nothing. There's nothing weird about it. Yep. There's nothing awkward about it. It is what it is. It's a part of life. And yep. and and show them that there's like this open ability to have an open conversation yeah. at any point at any time or on any topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, you know, obviously your first conversation at that age is, is sort of, um, it's got some guardrails. You're not just mm-hmm. telling them everything. Mm-hmm. You're basically telling them the, the basics and then you're making it a safe space for them to ask questions and bring up other topics that they may have already experienced or heard of. Um, but then, yeah, a year later, two years later, you're having another conversation. Where are you at? You know, what what yep. questions do you have now? Yep. That sort of thing. What have you heard? What have you not heard? What are the terms that you've heard at school that you really have no idea what they mean, but you're too afraid to say you don't know what they mean, you know, mm-hmm. to your friends? Like, yeah, you want to keep it a safe space where they know you're not going to judge. You're not going to be mad. If they tell you they tried something, you're not going to go off the rails on them. Like, it's a safe space that they can come and they can be heard and they can get truth. So, um, but man, so many parents are so afraid to do it. It, It's, I don't know. It's kind of funny to me, but, and I don't, like, I don't think my mom ever had the conversation with me. Um, I don't remember that happening, but for, I don't know, for me, it's just, for us, it's so important. So, um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, my my parents had it with me, but I don't remember. I couldn't even tell you when it was, like what age. Yeah, yeah. I so. think it was at, at some point around puberty, I think. Right, but. yeah. Because you're not only having the conversation about sex, you're also talking to them about how their bodies change and why their bodies change, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, we talked to our girls about how boys' bodies change and what boys are going through. And we talked to Tyler about girls' bodies and how their bodies change and what they're doing. Like, you know, you're kind of doing it all, so... Okay, well, that leads us into middle school. Um, So middle school, we kind of call it the find a friend stage because that's that's what they're doing in middle school. So at this stage of the question they're asking is, will I find friends? Um, Who are those people going to be? You know, they might have some friends in elementary school, but everything changes in middle school because for most, especially girls and a lot of boys, even I would say nowadays, um, they're going through puberty in middle school. So things just change. So, and come on guys, we all remember this awkward stage of life. And to be honest, most of us, like, if we don't remember it, like a lot of us are afraid of junior hires, right? It's like this, like, (laughs) oh, they're junior high. I'm just going to step back and watch it happen because like, they're weird. They're awkward. They're, they're just different. Like they're just different. So, um, but yeah, they're, they're trying to find a group of friends that will accept them. Um, they're starting to focus on how they look, what their, what their clothes are like, what their hairstyles are. Um, I mean, they're, you know, I can remember Tyler going through a phase where he wouldn't wear shorts because he didn't like what his legs looked like, or he didn't like how his hair was growing in on his legs. And it would be 99 degrees outside (laughs) and he'd be in pants. And I'm like, dude, nobody's looking at the hair on your legs, but like to him, that was important. And so I just had to step back and be like, great, whatever, wear the pants. Like that's, it's fine, you know? Um, and now he wears, he wears shorts and he's fine with it. Like, but it's, it's, they become so self-conscious about everything about them. They're, you know, and their bodies are changing so rapidly that in sixth grade, I didn't have very much hair on my legs. And I was complaining because I didn't have hair on my legs And now in seventh grade or eighth grade, I have all this hair and it looks weird and it's coming in in different directions and I don't like it. So, you know, that all happens in middle school. Um, So as parents, what are some ways that you can help them navigate this stage? So um, first off, you guys let them know that you love them no matter what, like no matter what, like that you are their people, that you love them, that you're going to be there. Um, Don't call them out when they try new things, when they have new looks, when they try new hairstyles. Um, Even when you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe. Um, Just, you know, encourage and be like, yeah, maybe not my favorite. I mean, you don't have to lie to them. Maybe not my favorite, not what I would choose, but it doesn't matter what I would choose. It's you get to choose, right? Like hair is going to grow back. I promise. Like if they color it, it's going to come back their natural color eventually. Like They're going to change their look 12 times in middle school. So the look they have today is probably not the look they're going to have tomorrow. So, um, and then, you know, the next thing we talked about, about the whole friend thing, right. Is like, this is where it's so important to start having conversations with them about what good friends are. Um, what the things that they, that you want them to have in a friend and how they get to be a good friend. Cause this is where they're trying to figure out where they fit and where they kind of start to separate from like, well, I see this group of kids and maybe I was friends with them. But they're starting to make decisions and do things that I don't necessarily agree with. So you'll start to see them kind of back away from that. Um, or, you know, they'll or maybe they they jump into that because they're like, well, they're just trying to be accepted. They're just trying to be popular. But that's where you'll kind of see that stuff kind of start to happen. Um, but that needs to be a constant conversation from you is like what what, what remember, you're not raising kids. You're raising adults. 
So you're looking at this as like, what kind of adult do I want them to be? What kind of husband or wife do I want them to be? What kind of parent do I want them to be? That's what needs to be guiding when you, you're talking to them about friends. You need to be thinking about that stuff right now because that's, I mean, what you teach them now is just going to continue to pull with them as um, as they continue to move on. So if you attend church, I'd highly recommend you get your kids involved in um, high, junior high ministry. Um, if there is one at your church, um, you know, it gets them around kids that have similar interests. But I think the biggest thing for us is it puts them around other adults who have their best interest at mind, who wants what, who want, wants what is best for them. And if, you know, you're a Christian family and you've, you know, been, they've been growing up with those beliefs, like then you're putting them around other people that believe those same things and want those same things for them. And, you know, we, um, we're lucky enough to have some of that with our kids, but I think Ty, um, was super lucky to have that, um, with, um, a junior high ministry leader, um, here in California that became like, it, it kind of makes me emotional talking about it, but um, he became like a huge influence in Ty's life and um, gosh, really helped him through junior high. So um, yeah, I don't like, I'm so, so grateful for that relationship um, because it like, those were some big years for Ty and hard years for Ty. And that was somebody that wasn't us. Like it was another person who we trusted and we knew he had Tyler's best interest at heart. Um, and so it was like, go hang out with Cooper. Yep. You go do that. You can sit and talk to him for 12 hours. Like that's amazing because we knew that, uh, Cooper had that Cooper wanted what was best for him and you know, that he had the same values and morals that we had. So, um, then the other part is this is where you get to begin the separation process. Um, obviously in controlled ways, this isn't where you're like, good luck. There you go. Go run the world. Like go run around town. I don't care what you're doing. Nope. Nope. That's not what you do. Kids need, they want boundaries. They're going to tell you upside down, left, right. No, I don't want boundaries. I want to be able to do what I do. Why do you have so many rules? Why do I have to be home at this time? Like they are going to hound you with that stuff, but you guys, they want boundaries they, it tells them that they're cared about and that they're loved and that there's people that want the best for them. So, um, they're not going to tell you that in junior high, I promise, but they will tell you that as adults, um, or even as like older high schoolers, they mm -hmm. can see that and they'll tell you that. So, but you begin that separation. You start to let them go to sleepovers. Um, you maybe let them go to summer camp. That's away from home for a week or two weeks or three weeks. You know, you let them go to junior high camp. Like you're starting to let them out of the house you know, maybe you let them go hang out with their friends all day long and you're like, you have to be home at five o'clock, you know, but you kind of let them move around the neighborhood on their own with their friends during the day. So, you know, it's controlled. There's boundaries, there's guidelines, um, but you're kind of letting them walk and step away. Um, One thing too, I just realized this, I'm, this is in the middle school section, but I feel like some of this probably even happened prior to middle school, like sleepovers and um, didn't our, when did our girls first go to summer camp wasn't that like they were pretty young they were elementary age like older elementary age yeah. like i think like fifth maybe even younger i can't remember it was a big conversation between you and i because you weren't ready for it yeah it and was kind of weird sending a kid that yeah. that young away you know yeah. like however many three or four hours away yeah 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 so yeah but it's one of those things that you're you're starting to do um 
So, you know, we talked about, we've already kind of talked about this, but you've had the sex talk with them. Um, but this is another great time all through middle school to check in on them, check in with them on their boundaries. Where are they at? Again, like you guys continue to have those conversations. Um, and here's what I would say, like, I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. If you've, I mean, and most of the time this is a boy thing, but it can be a girl thing too. Like have the conversation about pornography with them. Do not shy away from that conversation. I think you'll be shocked maybe at what you might hear. And maybe you don't, I've, I've had some parents or some friends say to me, like, I don't even want to know what my kids are looking at. I don't, I it's, I just don't even want to know. Mm, I think you really do. Like, because if you're like, I always talk about like, you know, you'll hear people say like, uh, oh, raising girls is so much, or raising boys is so much easier, so much easier than raising girls. And it's because that you think like, oh, I don't have to worry about my boy getting pregnant. And I don't have to, I don't have to worry about rape, or I don't have to worry about like all of these things, which I mean, boys obviously can't get pregnant, but they can still be sexually assaulted. They can still like have really bad things happen to them. But if I only say that that's easier for you, if you don't care that your boys are looking at pornography, I mean, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I mean, probably 80%, I mean, a hundred percent probably of guys at some point have seen pornography. Like, yeah, definitely. You know, and it I, don't be naive to think it doesn't start in middle school. So um, it does. So you need to just I mean, you just need to ask. And again, ask in a non-judgmental like, hey, have you seen anything? You know, um, has there been something that you've seen that you feel like maybe you shouldn't have seen? And just like just have the conversation and love them through it, because you guys, it's not like it's not what they really want. It's just something they saw. And then they you I mean, they go down a path. We all I mean, even as adults, we do it like you know, so, but you just, nothing, all that stuff needs to be topics of conversation because if not you, then who? It's going to be somebody else that they go to, or they're not going to go to anybody and they're going to feel shame and judgment and all of this stuff that's just going to be bottled up inside of them. And they're not going to know how to get themselves help at some point. So, um, yeah. So, oh, it's fun stuff, isn't it? Fun, fun <laughs> stuff. So, you know, so one of the things that we kind of talked about in this stage that it's, will I find friends? And so just a really quick story, you know, one of the things that we kind of watched with Allie um, and friends group, will, friend groups will change in middle school. So she had this group of friends that she had in elementary school. You know, they went from like kindergarten to fifth grade together, um, fifth grade. Yeah. Fifth grade. Um, and I was kind of remember when elementary school ended, uh, and those were her friends, but in that age, she also, in that like time period, she started playing soccer and she started on a club soccer team. And most of her friends on her club soccer team went to a completely, they went to different elementary schools. So some of them were friends at their elementary schools cause they went to the same, but she did, she did not go to elementary school with any of the girls on her club soccer team, completely different set of girls. So she went into middle school and they all came together in middle school. So, you know, all the elementaries, right? Like in our district kind of went into a couple of different, yeah, they kind of feed into a couple of different middle schools and all of these girls fed into the same middle school. And so we watched her friend group change. So, you know, she stayed friends with some of like her really, really close friends that she had in elementary school. Those friendships, some of them remained, but it looked a lot different. They weren't her day in and day out, everyday hang friends. It kind of turned in because her interest was really leaning towards soccer. And so those were her friends. Like those became the people she hung out with all the time. Um, you know, and that, and that's okay. Like, um, it's, it's going to change. It's, it's going to change if you move, um, possibly it's, it's just going to continue to be this ever changing thing. So just remember that. And as they go to high school, it changes again as, as their interests change, as their bodies change, as, 
I mean, so much changes in, with puberty. I mean, so much. Their personalities, they could have been the most extroverted, outgoing person you knew as a little kid. And then they go through puberty. And now all of a sudden they're a little more introverted. They're a little more laid back. Like they don't really need to be around a whole lot of people. And you can start to be like, whoa, wait, what happened? And that's going to change their friend groups, right? So um, so it, it happens. It's just one of those things. So Okay, next we go into high school. Uh, and this is the who am I really stage. So at this stage, the question they're asking is who am I really? Um, like, yeah, real, like really, what do I believe? What, what are my morals? What are my values? Where do I stand on issues? Like, who am I going to be? Um, and so as parents, here's some of the ways we can help them navigate this stage. So um, Erickson refers to the stage as identity versus confusion. Um, or another big word that you've probably heard people talk about is individuation. I said it. I have a hard time with that word sometimes. <laughs> it's a big, it's a big word. It is. Um, so simply put, teenagers are trying to figure out who they are, what makes them unique, what makes them stand out, what makes them special, what makes them different from their parents, what makes them different from their peers. Like what part do they have to play in this world? Like, you know, I mean, we can kind of look at it as like, why, what, why were you created? Why are you here? Like, what are you supposed to do? And that's just getting started for them. Like they're just kind of starting to think about that. But also remembering at this stage that their brains aren't fully developed either. So we think they are, but their brains are not fully developed at this stage. So there's still some stuff they're missing in there. Like, the thinking about causation, they they miss. We're still missing that. We don't we don't have that part of our brain developed yet, even as high schoolers. But you know, there is all of this other stuff that's kind of starting um, to come at them and things that they're thinking about that they just had never. It had literally never entered their mind before. They just mm -hmm. hadn't thought about it. Like it just it's part of the stages that we walk through. It's part of brain development. It's just it's how it works. It's how it ha how it happens. So. As we interact with our teens in this stage, we need to encourage them to get in the right boat. And what we mean by that is find a positive friend group. So find those people that you want them to go through high school with. Um, help them find those people. Um, encourage interaction with other positive adult figures. So this is a stage where they're going to start to pull away from you. They're going to start to question the rules. They're going to find it hard to confide in you because there's there's that line between having a conversation for them getting into trouble for something that they're thinking or doing. Like, am I going to get in trouble for this? Should I really say this? Are my parents going to be mad? Are they going to be angry? Are they going to be disappointed? Like that disappointed word is a big word, right? Like, you know, um, am I going to get yeah. guilted for doing this? Um, so they, and again, it's normal. They're starting to pull away. They're starting to figure out who they are and they're going to other people. So help them find who those positive people are. I always say every teenager needs somebody else besides a parent. They need another adult in their life that they can go to for things. Um, that. I just feel like that is so important for any healthy um, teenager walking through that stage. So encourage their independence. They need to be learning to do things. You need to not be managing everything that they do for them. Remember, you are raising adults. That is your goal. You, When they turn 18, you it's not just like, oh, here is everything at 18. Good luck. Have fun. No, you're little by little encouraging independence, independence and handing things off to them. Um, Encourage, again, encouraging them to start taking on more responsibilities themselves. So, you know, um, I don't even know when this started, probably for sure in high school. Like we didn't make lunches anymore for them. I, we didn't do breakfast for them. Like it's your job to get yourself up, get yourself breakfast, get yourself lunch. You know, there'd be moments or times of the year that we would help. Finals, we would help. Like certain times where you kind of jump in and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be that encourager and supporter. We do that for each other as married couples, right? Like 
But on the day in and day out, that I'm not doing that for you. You need to figure that stuff out. Um, so set them up to win by helping them see the big picture. Like, what are you really going towards? Like, not just what's happening today, but what are you working towards? So when they start high school, you know, it's like they're just focused on freshman year. But what's your goal for college? Because this counts right now. Like, what you do right now, this year, as a 15-year, 14-year-old sometimes, like, it's going to make a difference in what you do in four years. So helping them to see that. Um, and just a quick story about, I mean, this for them is, you know, to our youngest, Ty, is not a fan of school. Um, our girls, like, I mean, they probably haven't always loved it, but they've been fine with it. Like, they've enjoyed it. They, whatever, you know, they see the purpose in it. They they can see the future, right? Yeah, like, they're like. necessary evil. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, I know it's I've got to do this to get to this point. Tyler, he just, <clears throat> he doesn't like it. He, he'll say to us on very often, like, I, this is dumb. I don't understand why I have to learn this stuff. I'm never going to use it again in my life. And to be honest, you guys, at some points you're like, yeah, you're right. You're not, you're not ever going to use that math again, unless you go into math and you hate math. So chances are you're probably not going into math. Um, but you have, like, we just have to in- continue to encourage and bring it back to him that like, okay, I understand right now, today, this year, like this doesn't make sense and you don't want to do it. But what what do you want your options to be in four years? What do you want your options to be in three years? Like where you, and you don't know that. And that's okay. You don't need to know it, but you want to keep your options open. Like, so it's, again, helping them see the picture down the road, helping them to understand what they do today has consequences for what happens in the future for them. Because again, that part of their brain is not developed yet. So that's where they really need you. So, um, and then um, adult children. So this is the I'm my own person stage is what we would say. So, and at this stage, one of the questions they're asking is, do I really respect my parents? So um, not even like really do, I mean, maybe do I like them? That's great if they like us by this stage, um, but do I respect them? Um, so, and it, it, that's obviously not the only question they're asking, but we really think it's one of the biggest questions that they're asking. So, you know, maybe they're in college and they're starting their first full-time job. They're living in their first apartment, um, you know, or then they get married and they've got their own kids. But, you know, and each of those situations, they're grappling with things like, is this the right degree? I mean, how many kids go to college, think they're going to do one thing and they change their majors at least once, if not twice through college? can I do this on my, by myself? Like, can I really survive on my own? Um, do I really want to work at this job forever? Like, this is not what I had in mind when I went to school for that. Like, am I going to find somebody to marry? Am I going to find the right person? Do I want a family? How many kids do I ha- want? Like, what if my husband doesn't want kids or, you know, like, I mean, you guys think like, think back to that right out of like high school or college, like you're in college, you're getting ready to graduate from college. And you literally, like, I can remember being so stressed, like, because you, you just were like, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to now live my life. Like, I, uh, like what? Like, I, I now have to provide for myself and make all these, like, what feel like major life decisions, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, but, you know, so, but what they're kind of really saying is, do I really respect my parents? So it's one of the questions that every adult child is asking when they leave home. Um, and if they can look back on their childhood, um, and look at times where they're like, eh, like I didn't like that wasn't cool when my parent treated that person that way. Or like, I didn't like that my mom was constantly judgmental and constantly nagging me and constantly angry. Or I didn't, you know, like that my dad got angry at things or I mean, how they treated other people or how they treated somebody on the phone. Like those are going to be things that are going to kind of make them take a step back. And maybe they're just not going to want to be around a whole lot. And I don't know about you guys, but like, 
one of the things that I want is I want my kids to want to be around us. Like I, I want them to be like, yeah, I want to be around you guys. I, I want to be with you as they grow older. So, um, so yeah. And so as parents, some of the ways that we can help them kind of navigate through this, right. Is, um, we kind of stop providing like direction, right? Like it, we kind of, I kind of talk about it as like, you're not the on, you're not, not on call. That's not right. But you're not the parent that's giving constant direction. Like you kind of step back and you're just in the background. You're there, right? You're there to listen to them. You offer advice when it's asked for. Um, you don't give it anymore. Like it's just, you don't give unsolicited advice. One of the things I actually heard, um, I think from Andy Stanley actually was he's, no, it wasn't Andy Stanley. Sorry. It was, uh, uh, what's his name? Jim Burns. It was Jim Burns. Um, I was listening to one of his books and he said that when you give advice to adults, to adult kids, that they take it as criticism, that if it's unsolicited advice, that they take it as criticism. Um, and I came home and asked our girls cause they're both adults. I was like, so if I give you advice that you don't ask for, like, how do you take that? And they're like, I don't, if I didn't ask you for it, I don't want to hear it. Like you're just <laughs> that you then must think something's wrong with me, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's probably true. So, um, so support their endeavors, show interest in their lives um, and their kids and their plans, um, be available and willing to spend time with them, um, have fun with them. You guys like find things to do that not just you enjoy because it's not, a, it's not about you. It's never about you. It's actually about them. So find things that they want to do, um, plan family vacations, like take it upon yourselves to be involved in their life. Don't put it back on them. Like, oh, well, if they want to see me, they'll reach out. No, you reach out. You be in constant communication with them. You ask them how you can help. You ask them, do you have things that you need help with? Like, that's what you continue to do um, with them. So, you know, and we, as we've kind of talked about before, like we have two kind of, a, I mean, they're not kind of, they are adult children. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of feels kind of like they're not because they're still kind of living in our house. But, you know, so our oldest, um, Allie, is 20. She'll actually be 21 this year. This literally just hit me, like literally just, <laughs> just like now, maybe huh? yesterday. Like, oh, oh my gosh, she's going to be 21 in like just a few short months. Um, but, you know, we sent her off to college and she was ready and we were kind of ready for her to go. Like, you're going to go. You're going to do your own thing. And she was ready. She was like out the door. Here I am. Um, so she got to do that. She went to college her freshman year. She was in college for six-ish months. And then the pandemic hit. Um, and she came home and it was a transition for her and it was a transition for us, uh, because, you know, she had been on her own and doing her own things. And, you know, we were kind of just in the background supporting and helping and being that, that listening ear. And now all of a sudden she's back in our house. And so it's like, well, does she have a curfew? Does she not have a curfew? Like it just, it's weird. And it was awkward for a while. Um, but it made us kind of go back and sit back and have some conversations with her and talk to her about like, this is weird. It's weird for us. It's weird for you. Like you were gone and now you're back. Um, but we're going to figure this out together. And, and we're going to do a whole other episode on, um, having adult kids and what that means. So this is just kind of like just touching, like just, we're just right. Like on the cusp of it, we're not really kind of going into all of it. Cause that'll come later. So, um, but yeah, so there are the stages. Um, so right. The, the, the right four stages we had toddlers, elementary, no five stages, middle school, high school, and adult children. Again, not, I mean, we didn't hit it all. You guys, like we just, we just kind of got to the basics, right? Yeah, so. for sure. All right. Number three, the more, you know, so this episode was really one of those, 
kind of like one of those the more you know spots that you see on TV, right? It's just we basically turned on a fire hose with all this information, um, talked about the developmental stages that we all go through. Um, I think our thought was that you, the listener, at some point would kind of find a section that resonated with you based on the kids you have, what stages they're in, their ages, that sort of thing. Um, But there is something deeper to the phrase, the more you know, because it suggests movement, right? It suggests that you're open to new things, that you are a lifelong learner versus just being stagnant and thinking that, oh, I've already got this figured out. I don't really need to learn anything else about it, right? And this is actually one of the core values of uh, Transcend Human. So the values are truth, transparency, growth, and love. And it's really the value of growth that we're kind of talking about here because it it suggests that we remain lifelong learners, continuing to transcend the human condition by learning and you know maturing each and every day. So that said, um, you know, here, here are a couple ways that you can continue to learn just based on our conversation today. So first is uh, if you want more information about the developmental stages, um, obviously we just scratched the surface today, but you know, there are all sorts of resources out there that, you know, can, can give you detailed information about what your kids are going through at each of the stages. And so Uh, We'll put some links in the show notes so that you can uh, kind of hit the ground running on that if you're interested. But then the other piece is just to find out and to learn more about the unique nature of your child or children. So, you know, book knowledge is one thing. It's great to know kind of what developmental stage your kids are in and what they're going through and the questions that they're asking. Um, You know, but getting to know your child for who they are is just as important. So, you know, that's everything from watching, listening, um, you know, just seeing how they tick. And then using that knowledge, you know, you can kind of start to see their uniqueness. And um, it'll, it'll really be good because it'll help you to keep from trying to fit your child into a box, like a developmental stage box that maybe that, you know, they just don't fit into, um, like a stereotypical kid would. So those are just two areas that you can, you know, kind of Uh, reach out into a little bit more uh, this week. So let's land the plane. Uh, This this week, take a good hard look at your child or children. Um, And then uh, Tammy's got some questions here that you can ask yourself this week. Okay, so here we go. Three questions. You guys ready? How have I been interfacing with my child? Um, So do I believe that I went through all the same things that they're going through? Or can I see that I've never been their age in this age? Um, Spend some time wrestling with this, you guys, and how it might change the conversations that you have with your kids. Number two, do I understand the stage my child is at? Um, If so, has it helped me engage with them? If not, check out some of the resources below and see if it doesn't doesn't open up a few things. If you don't learn some new things, if it doesn't teach you how to engage with them at a different level. Or you guys, ask some friends. Like, have people around you. This is why you need, I always say you need a village. You got to have a village in your life that helps you with these things. Cause we do not have all the answers. We don't, none of us do. We're all learning right as we go. So, and finally, how well do I know my child? So spend some time this week, watching, watching, listening to, and observing, observing them. Um, and you know, maybe even like jot a few things down. Um, 
you'll be amazed at kind of when you really step back and really listen and watch and learn, we're always amazed at what we learn about people when we're really leaned in, right? And we're really, like, we're really focused on it. So, and then use this research um, to start connecting with your kids um, on a different level. So, um, you know, it, it, and again, it might be awkward when you first start, but I promise it just continues to get better um, as you kind of, as you move along. And here's, I think, you know, before we end this completely, here's the thing that I want you guys to hear um, from us is like, you know, like none of us, like I said, none of us have this figured out and we're all on this journey. We're all trying to do the best that we can. Um, and so, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up over the fact that like, oh my gosh, like these are some things I had never thought about or like, what do you mean? Like I, I didn't have that, the sex talk with my kids at that age. Now am I screwed? No, like you can always go back and you can always try again. Like, you know, um, so yeah, don't, don't feel bad. Like we're, again, we're just all, they didn't come with a book that told us what to do. So <laughs> we're just, we're doing the best we can. So no, no guilt. Don't, don't walk away from this feeling guilty for any reason. Just walk away from this. Like, okay, I'm going to learn and I'm going to try again. I'm going to start something new. So. Yeah. Obviously there's things, you know, in our past, we can't go back and fix it. Yeah. We can't go back and do that stage over, but that doesn't mean you've just thrown the towel and don't do anything. Mm -hmm. It means you jump in now and try to figure out how can I jump in now at this stage and and do the best I can at this stage? So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us this week. Um, we hope you're enjoying these episodes and that you're, you're getting things out of this. It's helpful to you as a parent. Um, next week, we're going to get super practical and we're going to walk through a parenting plan of attack. So uh, join us then. Um, and in the meantime, share this podcast with a friend, tell uh, friends and family about it. Um, if you have a free minute, uh, a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts would be great. Um, it always, you know, helps to boost Transcend Human in the, the, the podcast charts. And it just increases the visibility so more people will find it. So that's it. Uh, have a great week. Keep on learning. And as always, keep Transcending Human. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find additional content, as well as ways to contact us and links to our social media channels. Thanks again for subscribing to the show, and we'll see you again real soon.